That podcast ground is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to sixty percent off. Maybe you're thinking about going to the Patriots game next week. Tom Brady, you know, people pay to see Tom Brady. You want to pay to see Tom Brady, but you don't want to pay too much. Well, GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. of the walkout on the NF podcast growling on the athletic Paul Inner Jr. Jay Morrison Jay boots on the ground in Cleveland fresh off an evening of undoubtedly of Christmas ales on Saturday so giving the full I don't know potentially hungover performance but battling through uh and I'm I'm back here in Cincinnati after covering the crosstown shootout on Saturday uh, but still fully, uh, in the mix. So what's up, Jay? How, how is the, uh, how's the Christmas ale hangover in Cleveland? Oh, oh great. I have clear eyes. I woke up at about 7.15 feeling great. I, I paced myself. I drank a lot of water with the Christmas ales and I, veteran? I, I, yes, I've learned my lessons. I've had too many miserable game day experiences in Cleveland. <laughs> And I and I only did Christmas ale bookends. I I mixed in the Bud Light in the middle. We basically just camped out at the hotel bar and watched the Ohio State game. And um, I, I played it smart. I, I feel really good today. I'm I'm looking forward to this four hour drive home. I I just hope my car doesn't break down like it did on the drive home from Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> For your sake, I hope so too. Uh, and uh, you know what? You know what that would be. You know what it would be like it, today's game. Was just like your drive home from Buffalo. You know why? Your wow. car powered through the whole way. It was trucking along. Everything looked great. And then you were almost home. You were two blocks from your house and it all broke down and fell apart. Much like every single Bengals drive, it seemed like Sunday in Cleveland where they would move the ball between the twenties with ease, look good, get down in near the goal line and then over and over it's it's been an issue all year and this is the this is the most obvious it's been that it cost them a game was today yeah five five red zone trips one touchdown uh three field goals and then a no score when they uh they ran a quarterback draw on fourth and goal from the floor and oh. Andy only got halfway there um there was I mean, that was the second of back-to-back 16-play drives. Back-to-back 16-play drives, and they got a grand total of three points out of it. It was just – Brutal. Yeah, you had that stat earlier about moral victories and what they mean, and this technically qualifies for – Qualified. Backdoor moral victory. Competitive L. (laughs) But but it's – there's no – there's no – there's nothing moral about – I mean, it's just not – even though it is a a close loss, they they have to feel like – 
this one got away, that it was there for them. They had the best day they've had all year offensively in terms of yards. The defense had two turnovers. They almost had three for the first time since week eight last year, and then just a crazy overturn on a defensive pass interference call that they saw on replay. Um, it just they, – they played well enough to win this game. They should have won the game. They Baker Mayfield puts up a Ryan Finley-like stat line. Everything was there for him, and they just – the, the Reds, I mean, it's it's a tiring topic. It's just every time they get down in the red zone, and a lot of it comes down to play calling. The the first and goal with the two when Joe Mixon is the middle of a career day and they decide to pass and get sacked, and then all of a sudden you got second goal to ten and back-to-back incompletions, and they settle for a field goal. That was kind of that one possession, that one series kind of summed up the whole day for them. Yeah, and, and you, you looked it up. They had, what, 10 consecutive runs on first and goal? Uh, yes, except for – uh, Before that play, outside of a spike in, in London. Yeah, uh, I looked up every time they had first and goal this year. And Zach actually, on six of the first nine, he threw it. And it was like he kind of learned his lesson. In the last 10, he had, except for that spike, he had run the ball on first and goal. And for whatever reason this time, he, he said that – you know, they figure you throw an incompletion there, you still can pound Joe in on second and third down. Never took into account the, the possibility of a sack. And it was a bad one. It was Trey Hopkins and Cordy Glenn both got beat. Two Browns kind of met at Dalton at the 10. And it was the second and third down plays were horrible. Like Dalton threw one at Geo's feet and then he bounced one to, to Stanley Morgan on third down. They just, they just gave themselves no shot to score a touchdown on that series. I mean, the number of plays they ran Sunday in the shadow of the goalposts that were just disgusting compared to how good they looked when they weren't in the shadow of the goalposts is, is mind blowing because, you know, this is a team that was very good at that. I mean, very good at that last year. And maybe that's yeah. partly, I mean, maybe we're talking about this is, this is AJ John Ross injury stuff. I mean, those two guys were kings of the red zone uh, last year. Uh, and Bill Lazor, you know, was notable for having some great red zone play designs that really sprung people open. Maybe that's a um, a hole in Zach Taylor's game, you know, amongst all, all the, the critiques you can have of him. I would say that would be the biggest one is some of the play calling down near the red zone all year has been – Head scratching, and I know he he vehemently defended the fourth and four uh, QB draw call, stating that there were two plays called. You know, this very standard stuff. You go out there, you got a couple of plays called. You call whichever one's most advantageous, and the QB draws the right call. He said basically with five in the box and a couple of deep safeties that he should have walked. He he said it multiple times in the post game. He should have walked into the end zone, mm-hmm. and. While that may be true. Now, we've seen Andy in a lot of big spots actually run it because people aren't looking for it, and, and I get all of that. Four yards is just a long way to go for Andy Dalton down there, and you hope it's wide open, and maybe he should have walked into the end zone. But, man, I just am thinking of a lot of other people that I want to be doing a lot of different things other than Andy Dalton running the ball in that spot. Yeah, that feels like a second or a third down call. You try to catch him by surprise, spread him out, go five wide, and then try let Andy run up the middle. And then if it doesn't work, then you you go to a more standard play. And then you mentioned too the you know the the John Ross and AJ Green injuries that kind of affecting the red zone. Um, 
Another big thing, Auden Tate got hurt today, and he's a big red zone weapon that they didn't have in the second half. Uh, he hurt his knee, and he walked off the field, but uh, he went in the blue tent, and he went straight from the tent to the locker room. And I asked Zach about it after the game. He doesn't know the extent of the knee injury yet. Uh, that that could be another uh, huge loss for this team that's already without A.J. Green. And really, they, they used John Ross sparingly today. I don't know how much he he, he started playing more when Tate went out, but they, they hardly used him at all in the first half. Very odd. It was not under the impression that we'd be, we would see that kind of a pitch count on John Ross today. No, uh, that, not that, at that all. Was, that was kind of, you know, we were sort of under the impression that he was feeling good and healthy and he's activated, ready to go. Really surprised at his, his lack of usage. But you know what? Bengals fans not really knowing how to feel watching today's game. I go yeah. back. I'm going to I'm going to do it again. Sometimes when you win, you actually lose. And sometimes when you lose, you actually win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. It's my Rosie Perez from White Man Can't Jump impression that I'm doing regularly, which cuz it's very important this year and it's never more important than today. Cuz Joe Burrow is the guy. And yes. he proved it yet again on Saturday with another ridiculous performance. He's done it over and over again. We've been saying it here for a long time. But for those that are sort of maybe just starting to pay attention as it becomes SEC title game and playoff, now they're going to be the number one seed in the playoffs. This dude has been doing this all year. He is the real deal. He is the undeniable, has to be number one pick. And the only thing that can screw it up is winning a game like today. Because and you got Miami on deck. Uh, in a couple of weeks, you're gonna you're, you're gonna you assume you're gonna lose New England next week. You're you're almost home. You're almost home at this point. Win- losing today, I think, was a huge thing for the future of the franchise. Yeah, because if if the Giants lose tomorrow night, which they probably will at Philadelphia, if if the Bengals would have won this one, they wake up Tuesday morning sitting in the number two spot instead of number one. And yeah, the Giants probably aren't gonna go quarterback, but still, it's they want to be in this this spot and it, it was kind of like last week there was there was a, some of those rumblings came back in where you know Andy comes back and leads him to a win and eh, maybe they do ride with Andy and and then he throws the pick six early in this game and it was just it just kind of drove home the point that yes they 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 need to move on they need to get Joe Burrow they they need to lose these these games in order to do it and that it, like you said, I can't do a Rosie impression, but it's exactly what it is. I they, can't they, either. Yeah, no, I like it. It's pretty good. But yeah, they they won by losing today for for all the fans that that want to see them get the number one pick. Today was a win. Yeah, and and those fans are correct. I mean, that is the reason. It's the reason for hope. You're not watching what you're seeing out there right now, and with this year, there's and there's plenty to have hope about, right? I mean, the I think underrated job this year that we have not spoken enough about is the job that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan have done in finding the way to put the running game puzzle together. Mm-hmm. They have figured out the mess that that was, why it was going wrong, and found plays, found schemes, found everything that fits to this line and to Joe Mixon's eyes and legs, and have turned him back into a force again. And it has been notable. You know, these 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 tosses that they've run consistently, they've gashed him up the middle when they've needed to. They have thrown it to him a little bit more and got him in open space. And 
you know, some of that is a little bit of stability uh, on the offensive line with the return of Cordy Glenn. He has brought some of that. But some of it is them just figuring out how to make this work. And there is hope in that. There is hope in the way the offense moved the ball up and down the field today. There is hope in the improvement of the defense where Jesse Bates is catching fire a little bit in this defense for them outside of some bad tackling on that Nick Chubb run oh, kind of came out of nowhere. You have a defense that has improved this year and is starting to show you some. Nick Vigil oddly has gone from the absolute depths of awful linebacker play to being more than respectable in the recent weeks, more the guy that you thought you were getting. You have, you have seen some hope there too, but they're, you know, you had a game today. Randy Dalton was kind of like, eh, Andy, meh, Andy. Mm-hmm. It was whatever. And, and your hope resides in getting a quarterback that can carry you when all the, when enough of those other things are going right. And Joe Burrow's not going to do that immediately upon showing up here, but he is the closest thing to potential of changing the franchise. And that's where you combine that hope on the field that's happening over the course of this season with the hope of the number one pick. That's legit. And and Joe Burrow comes in and does it with a very light contract, which just only enhances your chance to to fix some of the other things that, that aren't haven't been turned around yet. It's just I I still keep I don't know why I read my mentions on Twitter, but I still see people clamoring for Chase Young, and it's just it's just not going to it can't happen. There's there there's I don't know how they could justify it, um, but I don't know if it's the Ohio State thing or if people just think uh, edge rusher is that important. But it it just seems like it, it almost seems like it's going to be a boring off season because if they're picking number one, there's not going to be any subterfuge. There's not going to be any misdirection. It's going to be basically just go ahead and sign Joe Burrow right out of the combine and say we're taking him. Yeah, I mean that that certainly would be uh, something that they could do. They don't they wouldn't need to hide it. I mean I don't think it would be a boring off season. I anticipate a lot of changes, but I will say, I mean, I, I do think that some of the development that you have seen is good. And so, and you saw a lot of that today. I, you know, I, there are problems that Zach Taylor has as a coach. And I think we have watched him live his growing pains this year. We have, we have documented every step of those growing pains and, and it hasn't always been pretty. And I'm sure he will look back on this year, next year and sort of laugh at maybe his approach and the way he was going after some of the stuff and, and learn from that going forward. But I, you know, he's going to need to fix some of the play calling stuff, um, particularly figure out how to be better in the red zone. And maybe that's personnel stuff. I think a lot of it's not. Um, and some of the third down issues, but some of that stuff is fixed by throwing accurately, making better decisions, being mm-hmm. able to scramble and create quarterbacks, good quarterbacks make coaches look good. Like it changes everything. I mean, was, was Kyle Shanahan a terrible coach, uh, when he started 0 and 9 and the offense couldn't do anything for them? No. Jimmy Garoppolo showed up and Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. You know, it's like, <laughs> It you just it changes things, right? And I I I I think that's a part of this too. Is you saw the last two weeks have really been a lot of what Andy Dalton is, and that's fine. It's like some good, some bad, some meh. You know, you're you're gonna kind of have that, but to think that it's gonna be something that's gonna save the day is is not. It's not always going to be the case, and it's going to be a ca- the case only a small percentage of the time. 
So I, you know, that, that's part, that's part of it too. But as far, I mean, as far as today's game, I do want to, before we go, I do want to dive because, you know, for anybody that still cares about the way the game is executed, I'm still honestly from, was still trying to figure out what happened with the DPI review on the interception by Jesse Bates. I mean, did it, how, how was that challenged? What was the reaction of the sideline when that went down, Jay? Well, they, I mean, they, they weren't happy, but just because we haven't seen many calls overturned on, I mean, pass interference is reviewable this year. They, they did it a lot in the preseason and then they did a 180 and hardly do it at all. What happened was I, I thought it looked like Will got there early. I even tweeted that. It said it looked like he got there a little bit early. Uh, to break up the pass and then Jesse caught the deflection and they said they were reviewing it and I was, I was puzzled. I, I'm, I was like, it looked like a pretty clean catch for Jesse. I don't know what they would be reviewing. And then you realize when they come back and that's what they were reviewing. They were reviewing to see, well, they review all turnovers anyhow, but I think that would, because they announced that they were reviewing that one and took longer. That's the only thing they were looking at is if Will got there early and seriously impeded. Odell Beckham's chance to catch the ball, which they they judged that he did. Um, it was, they, the officials did not have a good day today. And Tyler Boyd no. even he even said it was bull crap, and he felt he's like this is the first time I've ever felt like the officials were on the other team's side. Um, there, were, I'm trying to remember one specific, but basically Zach got a free challenge. Um, I can't remember what the officials did, but it, it was a, a weird situation. Where then there were, oh there was the there was the one where the uh, pass out of bounds um, where they they ruled it a catch and it's like okay, Zach's going to have to challenge this because it looked like the the ball was bobbled I think it was Landry yeah, Beckham or it was it was Beckham down the sideline it was the second, yeah, it was the second one mm-hmm. no it was the second one the first one was was Beckham where he kind of bobbled it the second one was Landry and they ruled that he caught it, and then you see the replay, and they're like, oh, yeah, Zach's going to have to challenge that, and he'll probably win. And then the officials get together and discuss it, and then they they change their ruling on the field, and Zach never has to challenge it because that would have been his second challenge. Um, it was just it was just a really odd – there's a lot of, um, of uh, meetings and, and conventions with the, the officials getting together and talking things over. And it, Even I wanted on, to take, what about the vigil play? I mean, the, the early yeah. interception by vigil where they – you could argue what you want about Njoku having the having possession uh on on the as a catch, but then they gave Vigil the run back. Like if you're gonna yeah. say that he picked it or f- recovered as a fumble, like the two guys were wrestling for the ball on the ground, and then they gave him the like thirty whatever yard return. That's wild. Yeah. And they they called it a fumble at first, and then they reversed it and called it an interception. And then even that I. I I had my phone out. I was ready because the, the fans in front of us, you know, here in Cleveland, the, the, your, the press box is like right almost at fan level. And the, the fans were so fed up with the officials. And I had my, my, my phone out ready to record because the double birds were going up every time they, they changed one <laughs> of those calls. Cause Zach, Zach made it like a last ditch, um, just a hope and a prayer kind of challenge looking for, uh, pass interference on a, a call late in the game. And I was like, oh, my God, if they overturn this, these people are going to lose their minds. And they didn't. They upheld it, and that pretty much ended the game. And it ended any chance the Bengals had of coming back. So the Bengals lose, uh, but they do get a competitive L. 
which gives them uh, that gives them seven of those on the season. They only need one more to get into that grouping that improves on average four and a half wins year over year uh, over the last ten years, with including uh, the vast majority of those being five hundred or better the next season. I know, I know, people, I know you're laughing. Get it out, <laughs> let it out. Okay, yeah, I know. I'm just saying these are the these are facts. These are facts that these are uh, characteristics of a team that does have a big rebound the next year when you are consistently in games and losing them, is that you can turn it around the next year. doesn't mean it will happen, but there is a long history of it doing so. So, hey, notch up that competitive L and get the, the L that's a W that you needed for the draft order. It's just too bad there was controversy in New York and Miami ends up losing as well. Maybe Eli Manning can can rise from the quarterback grave on Monday night and pull off a W against the hapless Eagles. And the Eagles go to basically get eliminated from the playoffs. Well, I guess not really. In, the, in that division, you never know. But the Eagles go in two huge weeks, could possibly lose to Miami and the Giants back-to-back. I'm sure that wouldn't irritate an Eagles fan, though. No. no I mean, the, they're the a very reasonable sort. <laughs> the, um, the, the Redskins playing – the Packers that tough in yeah. Green Bay today. I mean, they, it, it's all set up. If, if the Giants can find a way to stun the Eagles Monday night, the Bay fans have to be feeling really good, um, about getting that number one pick. Cause that gives you just another buffer. You could, you could still win another game and, and not have, and not have it cost you win at Miami or win the finale against Cleveland and, and you're still guaranteed the number one pick. Um, we saw Andy do it. Andy came off the bench and led him to a win. Maybe Eli does it Monday night. Maybe he does. We shall see. But for today, the Bengals lose but actually win in Cleveland 27-19. to 19. And uh, we will be back, of course, with uh, the, the main Hear That podcast growling on Tuesday, which, of course, available for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there for you. And then our bonus episode – uh, on Thursday this week, I, 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 I hesitate to even put this out here, but I'm going to, I think we're going to have LSU beat writer Brody Miller on for our bonus episode on Thursday. Ooh. He just wrote a fantastic piece on the evolution of Joe Burrow, the leader and galvanizing figure. And when it's an awesome story on, on sort of how he became this incredible leader uh, at LSU and, and just got his teammates to buy into everything he was doing and sort of a lot of behind the scenes stuff and who this guy is on top of obviously the player that you see on the field. So I'm going to try to have him on the show this week. It, if, if we get mixed up and can't do it this week, it will be very soon. Uh, looking forward to talking to him. So that would be on our bonus episode, which is only on the athletic and a reminder, subscribe. You can give it as a gift. Uh, we would love to have you. We, we think it's more than worth it. Uh, hundreds upon hundreds of writers, all deep inside stuff, plus all our bonus podcasts and everything else. So we hope that you would subscribe, read Jay's piece. that's going to be up, which is going to be on sort of all the goal to go stuff, all the red zone hashtag woes, uh, for the Bengals. But anyway, Jay, be safe, drive back, try to make it all the way. Don't get caught right as you fit, get close to the goal line. With a boat busted car. You don't want that. Don't repeat. Don't repeat history.
I got to get to the Mansfield Arby's before they close. <laughs> get that Mr. Tickle and be on your way. Uh, Jay, appreciate it. Uh, for our producer extraordinaire and Chris Meany, who is also up for podcast awards as a host. He's the man. So for him behind the scenes for now, but you can also catch him in front of the mic on many other podcasts on The Athletic. Shout out to him. Uh, we will uh, talk to you on Tuesday. Have a good one, everybody.